Hello, world. Welcome back to Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz coming at you. Second major of the year is in the books. And what a week it was for our man, Justin Thomas, who picked up his second major title and his second PGA championship. Sleeves, the man played a hell of a round of golf on Sunday. You got to give it to him. Coming from seven shots back, I was doing a little uh, research, talking with McCord. The last 33 major champions have been within four shots of the lead going into the last day. I think if you would have told JT on Saturday night, hey, you're going to shoot 67, I don't know if he would have thought that would have been enough to get it done. I thought uh, maybe I didn't expect all those guys at the top of the leaderboard to play well, given the lack of experience, I guess, in major championships outside of Will Zalatoris. But damn, it lined up and everything kind of went the way. Mito Pereira was doing just enough to hang around, hang around, hang around, made some great up and downs. And then you don't know how you're going to feel on that 72nd hole with a lead. So you get there and damned if he didn't slip one out to the right. And it was a, it was brutal to see him make double bogey there. I thought bogey would have been. You could just blow it left and probably make a bogey anywhere. But like I said, until you get in that spot, it's a, it's a lot easier to uh, say something when you're sitting on your couch saying, how do you miss that thing right than, you, than it is when you're actually on the tee in that situation. But, dude, honestly, I think the two best guys at the end of the day came down in that playoff, Will Zalatoris, Justin Thomas. And, dude, Justin Thomas in that playoff, maybe minus the tee ball off of the first hole in the 13th hole of par five that just caught up in the right rough. He didn't miss a shot. I think they were within – feet of where he was looking every single time and not many guys can do it under that kind of pressure that was beast beast performance by him in that playoff i mean the man's got some balls you can't ever you know argue with that it's un pressure you know i said it on the broadcast like the, the the touch shots that he hit the bunker shot on 14 the bunker shot on 16 even the one on 17 in regulation and then to go down there and hit the drive off 18 the eight iron in there to 10 feet i know he missed the putt but to hit those shots under the, you know, the largest pressure of the week, I thought was just so cool and so impressive to watch. You know, and like you said, he went to the playoff. He didn't miss a shot. Um, you go there and you have 79 yards off a slight downhill lie with some firm greens. I mean, you know, most of the field, in my opinion, probably would have got on top of that ball a little bit, trapped it and pulled it left. But he hits it in there six feet below the hole and makes birdie. Um, I can't just I can't tell you how impressed I am with him. And, and the stones this guy's got, it's it's something special. You know, it's second major title, and he's going to keep on rolling. But this locks up a Hall of Fame career already. Yeah, we're, now we're going to start queuing up the who's got the better career at this point. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, that'll take the place of the Hovland, Morikawa, Wolf debate that went on for so long. And I think, honestly, dude, the most impressive thing from that playoff was, all right, he misses that drive on the first hole in the 13th, just in the right rough. He didn't have that long to go. I think a lot of guys in that situation, especially with Zalator sitting in the middle of the fairway, center stripe, he flicked a six iron up there. You got to figure he's going to make birdie right there. I think if like if a lot of guys felt like they could get enough club on the ball just to clear the lake, they probably would have tried to force it up there and get a chip or something, and it could have squirted. A lot of different things could have happened. Justin Thomas just casually flicks it down there. He's got 79 yards off the down slope. And like, there's not a guy on the planet, for my money, that I'd rather have hitting that little off-speed low zizzer and he hit it in there six feet under the hole and once he made that i was like this is this he ain't gonna he ain't gonna flop like will's gonna have to do something he's gonna have to go birdie birdie or but justin thomas ain't taking a, a step back and then the three wood on 17 dude was just a joke i mean it looked like the one he hit in regulation just faded maybe a yard or two more it caught that little down slope chase under the top tier and then going into 18 he hits that bb little fade like he hit in regulation too and as soon as will hit his ball and it came up short i was like this thing's 25 feet left of the hole right on the top of the tier i guarantee it there's not gonna be any any flinch in this golf swing and damn defeated he makes it look easy when you just saw mito Pereira was in the exact same situation make it look not easy and that's that's the difference yeah you got to feel for mito 
a little bit, obviously. I mean, yeah, you know, he didn't make a golf swing that looked like that. The other 71 holes, it was, you know, that pressure's pressure's a crazy thing. And I feel bad for him. You know, I mean, he's obviously his first PGA championship. It was a huge stage. I mean, it was, it was his to lose and he didn't, he didn't hit the shot he needed to hit. It was, I, I wish the people at home could understand like how nervous those guys are and what nerves do to these, the best players in the world. I mean, he was in control all week and then he goes, and he makes a golf swing literally that, I mean, dude, Charles Barkley, that I mean, it, was through. Little, it was a little <laughs> with that Ooh. speed. I was like, I don't know if you could ask him to stop on the range, but like stop your follow through when your hands re- just before they get to your belt. Like oh. you can't, it's hard to yeah. do that. And that just shows you how like crippling that pressure is. And that's what makes it so much more impressive that Justin Thomas feeling that same stuff. He's in the same situation. And he makes it look easy. You know, it's just, you got to be in the arena a few times and get in that situation before, you know, you're going to react. But like, Mito just as the day went on and on, he made those incredible saves on nine and 10. I thought those were huge turning points for him. I was like, that might calm the nerves. That might, might get him back into it. But as the day went on, the fall through seemed to be getting shorter. The ball fright seemed to be getting lower. And the, the drive on 18 honestly wasn't that bad of a drive. He didn't miss it by like 25 yards or something. He just missed it in the one spot where it's going to become really tough to make a bogey. Could have blown it way left. But like I said, until you're in there and you're the one holding that driver. I mean, even in his interview, with Amanda, he's like, dude, I was so nervous. I don't even know what was going on. By the way, props to him for going out there and giving that interview. Yes. If he gets in his rental car and drives straight to his hotel, straight to the airport, nobody bats an eye. You're like, yeah, dude, the guy just had his guts ripped out on national TV. But he went there and gave an interview, kind of self-deprecating, laughed about it a little bit when you know deep down he was hurting as bad as he's ever hurt in golf. So I don't want to see anybody skipping out on interviews from this point forward. If Mito can come up there after making double to lose a major championship, you can come out there and say something no matter what. Yeah, that was props to him. I mean, that was that was very, very impressive. That that had to be tough. But by the way, they don't have rental cars at the PJ Championship Sleeves. They have courtesy cars. Uber, rental car, Cadillac. Uber Blade, anything it, that's getting the hell out of the parking lot of Southern Hills, I wouldn't blame him if he was on it. They had they had beautiful brand new Cadillac Escalades driving around. So they they were in good shape. But man, I feel for him. I really do. That's uh you don't know how many chances you're gonna get to win a major. He had a beautiful chance and just you know, didn't execute at the time, but Ended up having Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris. I mean, a superstar pairing in the playoff. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, both majors have been awesome. Scotty Scheffler getting the, the win at Augusta. Justin Thomas here. I can't wait for the U.S. Open at Brookline, which we're going to be there. You got can't it. wait to get amongst the doers there at, at Brookline. Oh, you bet your ass, buddy, because the U.S. Open is where golf's elite come together to determine the world's best. This year, the tournament is being held at the Country Club in Brookline, where Francis, we met, claimed America's first victory back in 1913. Dewar's, the official Scotch whiskey of the 122nd U.S. Open, is proudly commemorating this year's U.S. Open with a 2022 19-year-old Champions Edition, meticulously crafted and double-aged, then finished in a new American oak and first-fill rye cask to create a profile as rich, complex, and exciting as golf itself. The 2022 19-year-old Champions Edition is a limited release, though, so if you can't find it, get it. Then enjoy as you raise a glass to the tradition and skill that makes golf such an exciting, rewarding, and fascinating sport. Dewar's, the official Scotch whiskey of the 122nd U.S. Open and the perfect Scotch whiskey for celebrating everything great about golf. That's the only way to celebrate with a nice little crispy Dewar's, obviously. I celebrated quite a bit last night, Sleeves, for my man JT. Awesome to watch. Was so pumped for him. By the way, 
I don't know if you remember this. Someone reminded me on Twitter. I think you and I might be sporting some new watches pretty soon. I had, I never crossed my mind. I started getting some messages. I was like, is that a real thing? Did we just make a deal with JT? Like, hey, if you win a major, get, get a watch. I'm going to have a, as much as I like free shit, Colt, I'm going to probably have a tough time accepting a new timepiece just because another dude played a good golf tournament. But you know what? If he feels so obligated, then so be it. Maybe a Daytona, Rose Gold. Who knows? I'm just throwing it out there, JT, if you're listening. Man, it was it was cool. You, I, I was I had him in the playoff, and then when he finished, you know, we're supposed to be we're not supposed to be biased during these during these telecasts, but you know, I'm I'm out there rooting for my man JT. And when he won, I unplugged the mic, got down there on 18th green. I had to congratulate him. I was super pumped. <laughs> I tell you what, he is. He's been knocking on the door. He has not won since the players back in 2020, and man, he's had so many close calls. Huge win for him and Bones. Very, very pumped for both of them. And how about just his arsenal? Like, go back to that player's win. 18th hole, I think it was the five wood that he turned down and hit that slinging draw. All right, a lot of guys can hit that. Not a lot of guys have the balls to hit that on the 72nd hole of the players. You go to this thing, the the little low BB bullet fades. You know, you saw the the knockdown wedge on the layup on the par five. Like, he's got all the shots. Everyone talks about his arsenal. There's a lot of guys that can hit shots. There's not a lot of guys that have the the balls to pull them out in the crunch time at a major championship. And that's a, that's a big difference with JT. No doubt. I, I I've said it for years. He hits the shot that is required at the time. And that is just so impressive. He, if it's a pitching wedge from hundred yards, he's not scared to slow it down, knock it down and hit it in there. That's what he does, but it's so impressive to watch. And I got the, I got the pleasure of following Roy McIlroy this weekend sleaze. And I think I recruited our newest scramble partner. My God, can I please play from those tee shots? It is a joke. It's 350 in the center of every fairway. It is something special to watch. Literally, if I had any hair, I'd probably pull the rest out. It, it drives me nuts watching him play golf because the man I feel like should win pretty much every time he tees it up. It is something special. If he ever figures out how to dial in the wedge game, dial in the short irons, it's going to be scary. The first round, he averaged 370 plus, averaged off the tee, and had like they had like nine or ten drives over 350. And I was like, dude, how do you, how do you not? I don't even care if you're hitting it in the rough, unless you're hitting quackies out of bounds. If you're moving it down there, 360 plus on every hole of golf game, the game of golf becomes slightly easier than everything else. I mean, his, his talent level is a joke. It's just the difference is like when he clicks, we could see him boat race fields and win by huge margins. But when it's not, it seems like other guys know how to like grind it out and get maybe their you know, B-plus game and still put a score in the house. And I don't feel like Rory does that quite as well as some of those other guys. But from a talent perspective, I mean, dude, it, it's it's just a joke. When he's hitting that thing good, I, I'm not sure there's a bigger weapon in all of golf than Rory's driver. If that thing's dialed, it's a it's just dirt nap for everybody. I said it on air. I said he he needs a permit to carry that thing around. It's it's ridiculous. Like, it is absolutely not fair where he drives it. His, his drives alone on Thursday, I think, covered the whole state of Oklahoma. I mean, they were just absolutely shipped out there. Um, but, man, he's it's it's hard to believe. That's the first time I've actually followed him, you know, multiple days in a row. And to see where he drives, it's just crazy to me that he hasn't won a major since 2014. Um, he's still got a lot left in the tank. I think he's going to get it done. But how about our guest this week? Please. We got, we got a veteran, the man who's played a million PGA Tour events with a million top tens, um, just an incredible career, Charles Howe III. The dude just prints and has been printing since he came out of Oklahoma State. It's just like he's one of those guys that just, I mean, I think that we even talked to him about it. Like, has he won as much as many times as people might have expected? No, probably not. He would he admits that same thing, too. But, dude, you'd have a hard time finding more than a handful of guys that would not line up to take that golf career. Just 
over and over. Never really even had to fight for his card. Just it's locked every single time. Top 10. What, he got 98 top 10s in his career? I mean, it's, it's, 98. A, it's a joke uh, how well he's played for so long without really ever having, like, a struggle. It's hard to play golf for 20 years and not go through a, a patch of two or three years or something where things aren't clicking. He hadn't had it. I don't know what that's like. All right, well, let's get to it. Let's get to the ATM machine. Charles Howell III on Golf Subpar. All right, our guest today turned pro out of Oklahoma State back in 2000, and the man has not stopped printing paper since. He's got three wins on the PGA Tour, over 600 starts, and just a smooth little 98 top 10s in his career. Charles Howell III is with us. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm good. I, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. I... Uh, like I said earlier, I've, I've watched a bunch of your shows, so uh, I'm uh, glad to now be sitting uh, on the set here with you. Well, we are to have you. We are looking forward to this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. But you grew up in Augusta, Georgia, obviously home of the Masters and everything. Started golf at a young age, like a lot of superstars on the PGA Tour. At what age did you know, like, okay, I'm all in on golf? Well, you know, growing up in Augusta made it easy because mm-hmm. – I mean, you know, as kids growing up playing golf, we weren't the cool kids. You know, <laughs> we weren't playing basketball or soccer. So Augusta made it easy for that. Um, we had a great junior program with uh, John Engler, Scott Volpito, uh, a whole bunch of guys that uh, went on to play college golf. And so it kind of made it easy. I, we all got pretty serious early. I mean, I remember telling my parents when I was 10, I wanted to play golf on the PGA Tour. Now, I mean, 10 year olds say a lot of things, right? So, but, but we were all, I mean, we were all, all in early. Uh, tell me this growing up in Augusta, because I was reading about this as a, as a kid you used to sneak on to Augusta national. Is that right? And go out there and hit shots and hit putts. Is this, is this accurate? This feels like some sort of federal so, crime. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, yes. Federal crime. Yes. Uh, so yeah, the, the ninth hole at Augusta Hunter club where we all grew up ran right behind the 12th green at Augusta. So you know, we could kind of slip in through there a little bit, run down to the 12th green, the back bunker. Usually we got to before we got in trouble, a uh, little bit of chipping, a little bit of putting and then run back. Uh, inevitably, security's topping the hill on 11 uh, as we're out there for about 10 minutes. But, oh, yeah, we uh, they've since bought more land back there and fixed that problem. But, uh, yeah, we, we had some fun back there. And now there's cameras and snipers all over the I, yeah, place. That, no chance. I that's thought happening. that fence would be electric or something. You get volts. Did you ever get, you never got caught, obviously. Did they know it was you? No. Oh, of course they did. They knew it was all of us, but uh, no, we never got caught per se, but yes, in today's Augusta national, there would be, there would be lasers. Uh, there would be cameras. There would be yeah. everything. Yeah. You, you, you would never play there again. Let's say that they know everything. What would your parents do if you got yes. ca- if you came home and the police officer holding your arm like, "Hey, Mister, Mrs. Howell, your boy just got caught chipping on the twelfth green at Augusta." That feels like a problem. Uh, my dad would ask me, "How did you hit your chip? Yeah. How close was it? <laughs> um, did you fat it back there into the grain?" And uh, yeah, that'd be the end of it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What's your first memory of going to the Masters or anything like that? So, uh, well, first memory, I was seven years old and I watched Larry Mice win. Mm. Uh, I watched him beat Greg Norman in a playoff. And it was the worst, best first memory ever because as a kid, I thought, well, guys from Augusta must win this thing all the time. Oh, this is a yeah. big deal. Uh, but yes, that was, uh, that was my first Augusta National memory. My, one of my best non-playing memories, uh, Nick Faldo paired with Greg Norman obviously, and their Sunday epic match there. And I walked all 18 holes with David Ledbetter. 
And so, you know, David's coaching Nick Faldo as, you know, Greg Norman is, is, you know, letting go of his lead and whatnot. And just the fans, the fans reaction, the reaction to David who was coaching Faldo, because obviously Greg was loved. Uh, everyone wanted to see Greg win. I mean, that, that day was uh, surreal. Was T-Bone still the spot back when you were growing up? Because Colt and I just got back from Augusta a little bit ago. That was our first run with T-Bones, and it was incredible. Absolutely. T-Bones and French Market Grill is the other one. Yeah. So when you go back, you got to go there. I think I have a permanent bar stool at T-Bones now. I, I logged some hours there during the Masters this year. Dude, how good is it, though? Oh, it's the spot. I mean, the atmosphere is great. They stay up until 2 in the morning. It's fantastic. Correct. And it's right down Washington Road. It's just down from Augusta National. It's perfect. And everyone's in there. You walk in, you might see Jim Nance, Darius Rucker was in there. Nobody cares. Everybody just, you know, going like milling about. Nobody seems to really give a shit who walks through the door. It's awesome. It's like cheers. No, no, not at all. And because Augusta is used to it, right? I mean, you've got the Masters every year, which I had no idea as a kid growing up how spoiled we were. I mean, you have the Masters here every year. I, I just assumed it was a normal event. And, uh, Boy, was that wrong. Yeah, it's definitely not normal. <laughs> How old were you when you first played Augusta National? So I was 10 years old the wow. first time I played. Um, it's uh, There was a heart surgeon in town who brought us out, uh, my dad and I. And I played way up tees. And on some holes, I teed off kind of from the start of the fairway. And uh, But yeah, I was 10 years old the first time, and it was uh, it was just awesome. Is that like the youngest ever to play around at Augusta Probably. National? Probably. <laughs> besides some member's grandson probably that's incredible <laughs> you probably got to 12 and you're like i don't need any help caddies i know this green trust me guys i'm good here it breaks towards race gray i got it yeah thanks i know absolutely this i've hit this putt a thousand times <laughs> well, we're going back a little bit here with you but i want to go back to that 96 usam i believe you're only 17 years old at, at the time you're up at pumpkin ridge and you run into a little man by the name of tiger woods what do you remember by that match the most i mean you're only 17 at the time so I remember I was hard-headed enough to think I was going to win. Uh, I remember thinking that, well, I'll beat him. I mean, he's good, but I'll beat him. Uh, I remember losing on the 17th green, and I was shocked. Uh, shocked that I lost. That kind of didn't know the full Tiger story yet at the time. Uh, but I'd never seen a guy hit his driver so far and so straight as Tiger that day. Uh, I still remember he had that 43-inch Cobra driver steel shaft. And he hit it miles. And it's kind of the first time I'd been exposed to somebody that actually did that, that holy cow, you know, we were all pretty good and very similar. He was the first guy I was exposed to that was different um, and different in everything. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's incredible. I can't imagine playing with him at that age. And then, I mean, you go out and you're, you're three years younger than him, right? Three or four years younger than him? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, you've spent many, many years on the PGA Tour with Tiger I mean, what has it been like seeing him turn into arguably the greatest player of all time, knowing you played against him when you were 17 years old? So uh, I moved to Orlando right out of college. And one of the reasons to move here was to be around Tiger Woods. And, you know, he was the guy. Uh, I figured if I'm going to do this as a pro, let's hang around maybe the best to ever do it. From practicing with him and playing with him at home and all that, it, it, it was clear that he was better than me at everything. So it wasn't just this driver. It was a three wood. It was a three iron. It was chipping. It was putting. Like there wasn't any weakness of this guy's game at all. And I mean, we all remember say very early on in his career that he struggled a bit with his short irons, distance control some. 
And John Cook and Marco Mira, who lived here in Orlando, he went to them for help. Within a period of a few months, he was the best in the world at that. <laughs> so it was no, no matter what it was, he was going to be better than you. And uh, and he he just was. And it was so it was so great to play and practice with him. But it was so humbling in the fact that I felt like every tour event I went to, I was awful. And you're uh, a good company. This guy was better at everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know like he likes to talk some trash, but when you're playing at home, does he make you aware that he is better than you at everything? 100% he does. <laughs> it, it, and it never ends. And, uh, you know, he loved going to Einstein bagels at 530 in the morning. So he would drag out of bed there, go up there. And it was always a contest who got there first. Then it was who could eat the most. And then it was who could get back to Isleworth the fastest. And it was who... And it was everything was a contest with the guy. And uh, I mean, obviously, we all know his competitive spirit, but it, it is it is real and legit. And, you know, when we played together at home, he wasn't out on the golf course just to have fun and play like it was one ball. It was we're going to keep a score and we're going to see who wins. And, and it was that way every day. Uh, it was never, hey, let's just goof around and hit extra balls. It, it was never that. Would he share info with you? Like when you were practicing, would you pick his brain and ask him things? Would he actually share some info with you? 100 percent um and no and that's what he was so great about uh from putting uh bunker play a lot of stuff around the greens you know that's what he really enjoyed doing he he would hit enough balls to hey i'm working on this and working on that and and i was around him when he went kind of from butch Harmon to hank haney so i was sort of in that era uh and i'd see hank on the range a bit with him and we would talk but but tiger loved the chip and putt that was kind of his that was his thing and his deal and uh that's when he had the most fun. I mean, him and Hank would hit enough balls to work on whatever. Then it was done and uh, he was either going to play or chipping and putting. Is there like a shot from all the times you played with him that kind of sticks out in your mind? You're like, holy shit, how did this guy just do that? So there there was – so we played the President's Cup together um, in down in South Africa. And it was 2003. I was young. And it was – yeah, I was – it was extremely a just brutal, right? A pressure cooker. It was my first one. The tiger, this is old hat, but but you know, it's my first one. And I remember that we this par five coming down the stretch there. We were playing alternate shot. The match was really close. And he had a three iron into this par five. And I've never seen a ball launch so high and so straight in such a stressful situation with a three iron. It was incredible. And but yet I say that and I can list a hundred more that the, the guy did it every day. And, um, and obviously, you know, we remember the putts that him and Ernie Els yeah. hold there in the dark. Um, I remember that Tiger had made that, you know, what was that? What that was an eight to 10 foot putt. They called the match, they called it a tie. And I actually rode in the van with him back from that green to the clubhouse. And he gets in there in the van and he's still shaking. And, and I could tell that it really meant something to him. Like it was the first time I ever seen a bit of the nerves and the whole gravity of the situation get. Uh, and then the guy was legit shaking. And so the fact that not only did he was he great at it, but he delivered on it and it actually meant something to him. I mean, he he truly was. I mean, he's in my mind, he's my favorite sportsman and I'm his, you know, obviously a fan, but but the, he he truly loved it. That's you're, awesome. You're also one of the few guys to like get in that inner circle with Tiger where he will share info and he is willing to help. But going back to that alternate shot format, alternate shots tough with anybody as a partner. Guys, you know, hate hitting bad shots for their partner. How much more amplified is that when Tiger Woods is your partner and you're like, this is the best player to ever do it. If I hit anything that's not perfect, he's going to think I suck. 
okay, it's horrendous. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm perfectly comfortable letting myself down. I do yeah. it every day. Um, I don't want to let anyone else down, most less him. Now, I, I do remember we had this discussion and then he said, Charles, I'm Tiger Woods. It's fine. No matter where you hit it, it's fine. I'm like, he's kind of right. Like he <laughs> is the best ever. We're good. We're fine. Um, but but I, I, I do still remember, you know, the, the, I think his most underrated talent is his green reading ability. Mm. I mean, that is one thing. Um, you know, we talk about great putters, right? And we want to look at their putting stroke and whatever, but we never talk about their ability to read greens. Um, Tiger's green reading ability was phenomenal. Um, I, I would assume like a Jordan Spieth is a similar way. You know, these guys that are special at that, but, but I seeing Tiger up close in a golf tournament, that was awesome. I can't imagine. That's cool. I mean, I think we've, we've learned that nothing should surprise us with Tiger Woods, but with all he's been through now, all the surgeries, all the injuries, you know, he teed it up at Augusta National this year, which was incredible. I mean, the buzz was just off the charts, which Augusta doesn't need any more hyped up, hype, hyping up. No. But when Tiger comes back and plays, it it does. Do you think we'll see Tiger Woods win again? I do. And, and, and I only say that because it is Tiger Woods. That the more people that doubt him, the more people that say he can't do it, he lives for that. I mean, that that is why he gets up out of bed in the morning because – Hey, listen, we all know financially he doesn't need to play. Mm -hmm. uh, we all know he loves hanging around Charlie and Sam. Uh, you know, we all know he has other business ventures. So it's not like he doesn't have other things to do and other things to occupy his time. He is only doing this to win. And trust me, there is a deep-seated part of him in there that he's doing this also to prove people wrong. And when he gets bullheaded in that way he usually does it. i i agree with you there like i mean just when he showed like when he showed up at the masters this year like he's not going out there to try to make the cut like he honestly in his mind believes that he can win or he wouldn't even waste his time a hundred percent and yeah that was the thing like of all the time that we i spent around him in say 2000 through 08 before he moved it's it was only about winning i mean one time i'll never forget where he's playing at firestone the week of and the week and we're hitting balls on Tuesday afternoon at Isleworth and he's going to fly up early Wednesday morning. Then he's out hitting, he's hitting and he looks over at me and says, there it is. I just found something. I'll win this week. And he said, <laughs> nice. it just as sure as you say, you know what? Look, the sky's blue. Yeah. And he wasn't being cocky. He wasn't being uh, ostentatious. It was just, no, it's a fact. I'm going to win. He won that week by nine shots. And, right. and it was just incredible. I mean, you talk about winning on the PGA Tour, how difficult it is. He made it look easy. Um, and there was always a part of him where, and I always wanted him to say this, but he never would. But I, but I always ask him, does it feel easy to you? Because to me and to most mortals, it feels really hard. Uh, but that's how sure he was of himself, and it, it was awesome to watch. Did you ever ask him what he found at Firestone? I'd, I'd kind of like to know that. feels like that could be useful. It was always, it'd be little things in his swing. Like, it'd be something so little. Um, and also like on his putting too, use on his putting is he would have to open the face a touch more going back because Tiger always loved to feel the putter face release a bunch coming through. So it'd always be something goofy on, oh, I added loft on the backswing or I rotated the face more, whatever it would be. But it'd be something little like that and then bam, he's off and running. We're taking a quick break from our interview with Charles Howell III to tell you about TaylorMade. High bombs, low cutters, flighted wedges, flop shots to tuck pins, the beauty of golf is that in any given round, you get to play so many different types of shots. That's why you need the ball that's made to be better on every shot in golf. The TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. 
With a TP5 and TP5X, no matter what shot you're facing, you'll have the confidence to step into it and think, I love it. Stock fade, love it. Step on three wood, love it. Knock it down under the wind, love it. Whatever shot you need to pull off, the TaylorMade TP5 and TP5X were made to do it better than any other ball in golf. Whether we're talking about the final round of a major or a casual round with your buddies on any given Saturday, that's why players like Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, Ricky Fowler, Tommy Fleetwood, and so many other tour pros trust TP5 and TP5X every week. Looking for a little more feedback around the greens? Both TP5 and 5X come in picks for better visual feedback around the greens and a little extra flair. So if you want to step into every shot you face and think, I love it, try the most complete golf ball in golf. Head to tailormadegolf.com and use the promo code SUBPAR for free shipping. Now back to Charles Howell III. And staying on Tiger for just a minute, I, I read this, and you can confirm if this is true or not, but you won the individual and team NCAA championship back in 2000. I read that you hadn't even considered turning pro at the time, and so you got a call from your coach, David Ledbetter. This is right when Tiger was kind of coming out and golf was starting to explode in popularity, and he told you, like, hey, dude, yes. this might be a pretty good time to uh, play for some money. 100%. I'll, I'll never forget the phone call. I was sitting in, in uh, my apartment in Stillwater, uh, one evening and phone rings it's david ledbetter which is nothing unusual we talked all the time and he said yeah he said i i think you need to think about uh, turning pro i think you you've done all you need to do in in college and amateur golf and it's, it's time to play for real now and but i i never even considered it um i loved my time in stillwater in oklahoma state i loved coach holder and playing for him and it was it was tough it was i i never even thought about it and it was just, hey, I've got one more year of college left, and then I'll go do this. And uh, but uh, yeah, a month or so later, I did turn pro at Hartford. But uh, but yeah, I never even considered it. I want to I want to know a little bit about Stillwater because the place just fascinates me. Oklahoma State coach holder. I actually talked to him earlier this week ab- about you. Some he was one of the scariest yep. humans I've ever saw when I was playing at SMU, and we show up at tournaments at Oklahoma, against Oklahoma State. I'm like. That guy scares the shit out of me. I'm still terrified of him. <laughs> I saw him in Vegas at Aria playing blackjack, and I got nervous. If like, I see him, I just my hands sweat. Like, That's Holder. That's Holder. Don't do anything stupid. So what? What was it? Like? First yes. of all, what made you go to Oklahoma State? Because Augusta's not just down the road. You obviously got Georgia there. You got Georgia yes. Tech. What made you choose Oklahoma State? And what was your time like there? So I, coming out of high school into college golf, you know, I had a nice junior career. But I wanted to know if I was good enough to play professionally. And I did want to do it, but I really didn't know. And I, I figured, well, the, the quickest way I'm going to know and find out is to go play for Mike Holder in Oklahoma State. You know, he is, he's the best, he's the toughest, he's the hardest, and let's go find out. And, and honestly, he was like a second father to me. I absolutely love the man. Uh, to this day, I'm still scared to death of him. Um, <laughs> If my phone rings or whatever, and it's Mike Holder, I think, what have I done? Yeah, what did I do? And <laughs> what I do, I'm sorry. Now, how's your day going? And But, you know, the, the thing with Coach Holder is if you worked hard and you gave it your best, he was your biggest fan. Um, the, that, that was the one thing with him. The, everybody thinks, oh, if you didn't play good, he would like it. It was never results with him. It was always, are you working hard and giving it everything you've got? Then he would do anything to help you. Um, you know, he was an intimidating coach to play for, but you know, after a while when around him every single day, a bit of that would wear off, but boy, he always wanted to win. I mean, it was only about winning second place trophies did not make it home. They, they didn't make it out of the parking lot. Um, they, they didn't go back. And speaking of coach holder, I mean, there's not too many times in 
the history of college sports I can remember where, where a head golf coach goes on to be athletic director. Like, that's just, that's yes. crazy. I mean, that's how big and powerful and how special he was. He still is. Oh, absolutely. And, and no human loves a college more than he loves Oklahoma State. That is his baby. And it's always been that way. Uh, obviously, he had a wonderful relationship with T. Boone Pickens, who's obviously throughout Texas and Oklahoma and was a very large, our biggest donor. And, you know, so the T. Boone relationship helped Coach Holder uh, navigate to athletic director. But, man, he loved that university. And um, and he will. I mean, he'll I, – yeah, I think he's going to probably redo Karsten Creek one more time uh, now that he's retired from AD. It'll be another challenge for him. But, yeah, he's – Man, even even at 43 years old, I'm scared to death of him. <laughs> okay, I'm glad to hear that yeah. from you because every time I see him, I'm like, oh Jesus, holy Christ! And now oh, even more so, don't look. Now that I know what a what a wrestler he is, so we've had Boyd Summerhays, your old roommate, on here going through the the wrestling yes. match in the weight room. Talk us through that because we heard it from Boyd's perspective. You were there. I've been told you didn't jump yes. in and try to save Boyd's life, but tell us how he did, did that. Not. Guy. <laughs> so. Boyd and I weren't exactly social butterflies at Oklahoma State, so uh, a big night for us on Friday or Saturday night was going to the gym to work out. And so Coach Holder would let us in the uh, athletic facility to go work out in the evenings. Now, I promise you we were the only two athletes in there. <laughs> Everybody else had a social life and, and whatever else. Boyd and I didn't. So we were in there one Friday night just working out, and Coach Holder showed up. Partly, I think, to see if we were really in there, but he would just make these surprise visits. So he shows up and he's in there talking to us and we're working out. And lo and behold, wrestling comes up because Coach Holder loved the wrestlers and loved all that. And Boyd and him started getting chippy a little bit because Boyd was fairly strong and a tough guy. And it's, it led into, well, I think I can take you. And Coach Holder said, well, come on and have at it. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, they start going at it and they're grabbing and then rolling around and arms and legs are in awkward positions. Well, next thing you know, Boyd gets Coach Holder's shoulder pinned underneath like the weight tree where the 45-pound plates are. His shoulder's pinned underneath it. Well, he can't move. Well, so he's telling Boyd he really can't move. Well, Boyd thinks he's just, you know, playing with him. So Boyd just stays right on him and just has him pinned. Eventually, he quits. We ended up hurting Coach Holder's shoulder. And uh, all because of where Boyd got it pinned. And it wasn't on purpose. I mean, I love Boyd to death. That was a accident that really worked out in his favor. Uh, but, yeah, that was a true story. I've watched every bit of it. I did not jump in there. That was uh, – at 135 pounds, that was not my place. <laughs> Who are you rooting for from this – get him, Boyd? Oh, Boyd, for sure. Are you kidding? Yes. I mean, Boyd – Boyd is uh, Boyd and I. Obviously, we lived together my first year of school. He's my best friend, and uh, he's he's the man. It was for sure, Boyd. Take some marbles to wrestle Holder. Oh, I want no big marbles. But you played with some studs. I mean, yes. Boyd being one of them. Ed Lore, a, a gentleman by the name of Bo Van Pelt, who told me the first yes. time he ever saw you hit a golf ball was in Stillwater, and him and another teammate stood out on the range, and you were hitting five irons at them, alternating, going back and forth, and they were catching them in their hats. Yeah, that is incredible. I mean, I would have been like, okay, this guy's going to be a problem. I can't beat him. <laughs> yeah, Bo was awesome. He's still Uncle Bo to me. Um, and obviously, you've known Bo forever. And uh, so, yeah, we got to play one year together, but it, it was great. We, uh, you know, Bo, 
you know, Bo was much more, uh, you know, he was obviously used to the college scene. He'd had a nice career. Uh, he was a stable player. I had no idea what I was getting into. I'd moved a thousand miles away from home and no, Bo was awesome. In fact, we talked on the phone last night. We, uh, I still pick his brain about things and, um, yeah. And what a great career he's had. Holy cow. I mean, uh, the career he's had, the kids he's raised, it's awesome. You both kind of make, now that you say that, I mean, your action through the ball is very, very similar. You both kind of have the three-quarter follow-through with the irons. Is yeah. that a product of Oklahoma State, or is that just how y'all swing the golf club? So, you know, Coach Holder So Coach Holder loved the golf swing, and he always wanted to help guys. And earlier, like well before we were there with the days of uh, Willie Wood and then Bob Tway, Scott Burplank, uh, Coach Holder – really got into the mechanics of the golf swing. And so he went down the road a bit with Homer Kelly uh, and Ben Doyle with the golfing machine. Uh, then that led Coach Holder to Mac O'Grady and spending some time with him. So I, I would obviously pick Coach Holder's brain on it. Some of the other guys would, it, which was totally fine. Uh, Bo was another guy that would. So, you know, a lot of our stuff is some old you know, golf machine stuff we have in there. Um, because coach Holder, I mean, listen, he was a brilliant man and, and he, he helped us. Now, not every guy worked with him, you know, Edward mm -hmm. Moore had his own teacher and did his own thing, but, but yeah, some of that stuff left over in there is, uh, that's old, uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma state. I love that. What was your teammates first impression of you when they walked into your dorm room and you had two posters up Ben Hogan and Tupac? That's quite the spectrum. Um, it's quite the spectrum. Yeah. So yeah, I went through a phase there where I love Tupac um, and uh, still debate whether he's dead or not. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was Tupac and it was Ben Hogan. And uh, fortunately, I think I'm more the, the Ben Hogan kind of guy, <laughs> that little quieter golf guy. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, that was it. That was the first two posters in the dorm room. I did. I did hear that when y'all played the college tournament in Vegas, you made the team go to where Tupac got shot. That's correct. Absolutely. <laughs> well, cause it had just happened. And I'm like, well, guys, we got to go see the spot. Yeah, and they're like, what are we doing here? Like, I could care less, but no, I wanted to go see it. So we did, we took the, you know, the taxi, obviously they're easy in Vegas, took it right down there. We just, we just took a moment and uh, then went about our day. Right on Flamingo yeah. and Cobalt right there, dude. You gotta Absolutely. see that spot. See? Yeah. Give there me, you go. Of course. give me Charles yeah, Powell's favorite Tupac song. Ooh. Oh, well, probably California Love, okay. which I know that's easy. That's everybody's, but probably that one. That's fair. Is, you said you debate whether he's dead or alive. Which is it? Yes. Is he? Is he oh, I think he's alive. Is he with us? Where is he, do you think? I, I think he's in London, and we may actually London. see him at the first live golf event. <laughs> no shit. He's in London? <laughs> but, I had no idea. That seems exactly, like a place yes. Pac might stand out a little bit over there. Maybe somebody catch a picture of him. Yeah, he may have come out of the first live event. Him and Anthony Kim, maybe. Perfect. <laughs> he could be the gonna caddy starter. For, he's going to caddy for AK. That'll be perfect. <laughs> the caddy for AK, that's what he's doing. Holy yes. God, that would blow up the golf world if that happened. Oh, I love <laughs> that. Could you imagine? Hawk <laughs> on the bag for AK. That would actually be very fitting. Well, going into your early early pro days, I mean, you're one of a handful of guys. You got your tour card without going through Q school. I believe you locked it up after your third start where you finished uh, third at the John Deere it's clearly not easy to do that because very few people do, but did it come easier to you than expected? I mean, that happened quick. Um, I had no idea how hard it was. And uh, I've, I've said many times, I'm so thankful. I'm at this point in my career. Looking back, I had no concept for how difficult it was. Um, and, and maybe it's good to be young and dumb, so to speak, in that deal. But, but looking back on it, yeah, because it, it was myself, uh, David Gossett, 
uh, Adam Scott, Bryce Mulder, Matt Kuchar, uh, Luke Donald, they all came out at the same time. And Jeez, none an of era. us knew how hard it was. Oof, that's an it's, era. Uh, I mean, none of us knew. It, and we, yeah, we were lucky that we pushed each other. And I think, and I, well, in fact, I know it, it helped all of us play better because we all were so darn competitive with one another. But yeah, I was so, I was so fortunate to get my card that way. But like I said, I had no idea how difficult this, this venture was. Yeah. And I mean, you go on, I mean, you've played over 600 events now, which is ridiculous. By the way, do you, do you know who has the most all time? It's, is it Mark Brooks? It is. Mm, it, well that done. is correct. You're at, well, I, I had it written down here. You're at, I think you're 198 events behind Mark Brooks, which is just insane because you've played so many. Do you think you'll catch Mark Brooks? You got to ramp up that schedule. No, dude. no chance. Because if I take this hat off, there's a lot of grays in there. There's <laughs> no chance. But I think one of the things that's so incredible is, I mean, just your consistency over your career. I mean, you've never lost your card. Like, how much does that mean to you? Because as a guy who was grinding to finish in the top 125 every year, it's it's, it's hard. And there you are. You just print money every week. As, as Lee said, 98 top 10s. How much does this longevity mean to you? Well, it, it means a lot to me. And, you know, obviously, what I would have loved to have won more. And, and I, I totally understand we're judged at the end of the day by how much we win. Um, I've got a bunch of seconds and thirds, which I obviously wish would have been wins. Um, being around guys like Tiger and those guys that made winning look so easy. Um, you know, there was always a part of me that was amazed by that, where – um, I just, I just found the act, I found winning difficult. Um, you know, part of me where if I could go back in time and change something, I, I would have, I'd play those last few holes with a chance to win just normal. Um, you know, I always thought I had to either do something special or, uh, do something different or play up another level, if you will. Uh, yeah, that was one thing I always struggled with. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the longevity and the consistency do, do mean something to me. I, I wish I would have won more, but um, you know, playing golf on the PGA Tour, we're so dang lucky, and and I'm one of the luckiest humans in the world to have done it for as long as I have. And obviously, Colt, you know, you played at the highest level. It's uh, it is fun when you're you're playing. Um, it's really hard when you're struggling, though. Mm -hmm. And you know, we all go through those times. And you know, golf makes all of us crazy. Um, you know, we all ride the these roller coasters of emotions. But um, you know, the one thing over the years I've, I've kept is if you if you do love the game of golf, and if you do remember back to that point as a kid on why you even started playing because you enjoyed it. Um, that's always helped me get through the the, the downs of it because it isn't all great. Yeah, I do feel like you really, really enjoy it. I mean, you, you wouldn't be out there so long if you didn't. But um, the number is 605, which you're at. And Mark Brooks is at 803. Yeah. Okay, 200 okay. more, oh. 203, so, and you're there. But think oh. about this. So Mark Brooks, 803 PGA Tour events. He's thrown some Corn Ferry events in there as well as his PGA Tour champion. So under the PGA Tour umbrella, he's played over 1,000 events. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. That's 400 more. That's That, that can't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get to work, dude. You can't be having these off weeks yeah. on podcasts. You got to be out there pegging it, dude. Uh, dude this you got to make some money, man. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that 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 actually makes my back hurt thinking about four hundred more starts. But that's a guy, Mark Brooks, that just loved it. I mean, he lived, breathed golf, which I feel like you're kind of the same way. And talking to Coach Holder, especially in college, I mean, it was golf twenty four seven for you. Oh, that's all we did. That's all we went to. We we worked out. He had us work out early in the morning. Uh, we went to a little bit of class, and we played golf, and that's all we did. But that work ethic has stayed with you, though, because when I ask people, like, who's the hardest worker out there, your name comes up a ton of the time. Like, 
what's your typical practice schedule look like on an off week? Are you still out there, you know, 20 plus years into your PJ tour career, putting in these marathon sessions like you used to? I do. Um, again, the mornings I'll wake up and I'll go to the gym first thing, you know, six thirty, six forty-five ish. Um, I'll be at the golf course by nine thirty, uh, and I'll practice with a little break for lunch, and then keep going again till you know five five thirty at night. So wow. Uh, yeah, so I still do it. I, I love it. Um, and now, now my son, who's ten, uh, he loves golf, and, and he plays now competitively in junior events. So you know, when he's out of school, you know, he's with me until you know dark almost. So you know, he's kind of giving me a little bit of a of a jolt of energy, so to speak. So you know, after school, I'm with him, and on the weekends, uh, you know, we're playing golf all day because that's that's his time to do. It. More nervous, respect. More nervous trying to close out a PGA Tour win or watching your son play golf. Oh my gosh. Before I had a son, I would have said no doubt trying to win a tournament. Yeah. It's caddying for him. <laughs> I've heard it's brutal. It's awful because I'm the worst clubber in the world. I'm the worst green reader ever. <laughs> uh, I can't find wind direction. I mean, it's every bad shot. It's that I knew that was the wrong club. You can't read greens. And in fact, my greatest moment caddying um, a month or so ago, my son was paired with Annika Sorensen's son and Annika was caddying. So, you know, you've got the arguably the greatest ever. She's in the Hall of Fame. She won everything. Her son wore her out. <laughs> and mom, I knew that didn't break to the right. Mom, I was never a six iron. It was always the seven. And I think, you know, there's a Hall of Famer getting worn out by her son. This has made my day yeah. because it, it, this is phenomenal. Everybody needs to see this. Does That's Chase correct. wear you out when you give him something? Like you give him a little too much on a read or something? Is he is he getting after you? Oh, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Like that. That's yes. fantastic. You're yes. exempt from nothing. I don't care about all those top tens. Give me a read, you bum. Exactly. The top tens are meaningless. It <laughs> means nothing to me. It, with, with as much as you love playing and being around the game of golf, do you see yourself playing PGA Tour champions? Oh, I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to because that looks like the greatest gig ever. 54 holes and no cut. Yeah. I mean, that is, hey, you know, one of the worst parts from the tour is making cuts, you know, because you're grinding Thursday, Friday, and uh, so more weeks than not, you're grinding a cut out. And then you got to go Saturday, Sunday, and you obviously keep going. So, oh, the champions tour, 54 holes, no cut sounds phenomenal. <laughs> Carts. Cards, yeah. perhaps, you know, as that back oh, starts to go. Yes. That's a nice little perk. Charles, Absolutely. Charles is an athlete. He ain't riding in a cart. No, he's, hey, he's what, been carrying around all that weight for so many years, sore. dude. Your back's probably yeah, hurting yeah, exactly. walking around with that weight you have been. Man, it's got to yeah, give, hey, it's gotta give <laughs> at some point. Who Charles, are, I was going to say, during your, throughout your career, who are some of your guys like you always look forward to teeing it up on Tuesday with in a practice round? Oh, uh, Carl Peterson. Oh, Absolutely love Carl. Beauty. Um, so I got a sponsor invite into the Carl Peterson, Jason Bone, uh, Tim Heron, Tom Gillis club yeah. for a while. Um, George McNeil and in that, which in that as well. Yeah. George McNeil's yeah. in there. So uh, the weeks that all four of them weren't out, I got a sponsor invite. Perfect. <laughs> um, those, those were the big weeks. And uh, that was always Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. Um, they wouldn't go earlier, so that was fine. Um, Bo Van Pelt, obviously, a lot. Um, yeah, Jim Herman's another guy I enjoyed playing practice when I was with on Tuesday. 
Um, you know, another guy, Sergio Garcia, actually, you know, Sergio and I grew up playing junior golf and, uh, um, I love being around him and, uh, obviously the, you know, picking his brain even still on, you know, some stuff around the greens and whatnot. And, uh, but you know, so many of us kind of grew up together that we've just maintained friends. Uh, I'd say those guys be, be, be the main ones on Tuesday. Yeah. yeah that, 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 Carl Pedersen, Tom Gillis, those guys. Lumpy. They, whew, they Lump, is there a better side. dude to hang out with than Lump out there? Not at all. Absolutely none. Yeah, those those were the fun days. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss that. Yeah, I think he might be the funniest guy. We're about to get him on in here pretty soon and just and wind him up and let him go. I think he might be the funniest guy I've ever been around on the PJ Tour, period. Oh, you have to. We, uh, we were paired together at Bay Hill a few years back. Obviously, he won there, so he played there quite a bit. And, uh, and Colt, you remember the 13th hole, straightaway par four, and yep. it runs out into the water. And it's pretty day. It was humming downwind, and the fairways were baked out. So you could get driver to the water. So, you know, Lumpy's up there, and he's got a three wood in his hand, and he's kind of backing off of it, and he's back on it, hybrid. And his caddy is, Tim, are you happy? And he looks up, and he says, no, I haven't been happy for 14 years. <laughs> 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 Straight back to it, hits it. But oh yeah, Tim Lumpy, he's the best. He'll do awesome. He's got a little baby lump too at UNM right now. I just saw him the other day. And he had his name on his bag, and I was like, "This is going to be the dumbest question in the history." But uh, is Lump your dad? And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, well, you just you don't like physically, you look a little different, but the face looks the same." But I thought I had to ask. Oh yeah, he's a good player too. Yeah, yeah he is. He can swing it. Well, man, we could go all day with all this stuff, but we got to get to the emergency nine because. I have a feeling this is going to be a lot of fun with you, Charles. So we're going to okay, good deal. We're going to start this off like we do with everyone else. You can trade lives with anyone, dead or alive, for a day. You get to be him for a day. Who's it going to be? Elon Musk. Mm. You're the nice. person. You're the person who answered that question the fastest. By the way, thank you for that. Everybody sits I around. I think and that thinks. might be the second Elon we've <laughs> yeah. had. Good time to be Elon. Yeah, I just because of obviously he's worth a goddamn gazillion, but. <laughs> No, I'm just fascinated by the guy. Like, yeah. like how does this guy come up and, and, and do Tesla and then do SpaceX and do the Boring Project? And, oh, my gosh, this was – I would even said this before his Twitter acquisition, but, yeah, Elon Musk, no doubt. Now you awesome. can control Twitter, too, and just shut down anyone you don't like. Love that. Power. That's correct. Power. You That's go correct. find Tupac with one of those satellites. Um, 100%. All right, here we go. Are you the only player in PJ Tour history to weigh the same thing at 42 as you did at 22? <laughs> well if i did yes uh my bio hasn't been updated so it's a little bit more now my son actually called me out on that a couple months ago he read the bio and said dad i don't think this is still quite accurate oh would you put on a couple ounces yes exactly eight ounces no i'm up to 175 oh wow yeah i had a little beef wow i like that and in college Absolutely. you said you were 135 135 when i entered college 150 when i left it yes Wow, Damn. 135. What were you when you first came out at 150? How how fast were you swinging it, do you think? So, we didn't have Trackman back then, but Callaway had their stuff out there. According to them, so I still have all the data. My club SV was 118. That's, that's moving. Yeah, that's I great. don't know how that reads right in, in relation or so whatnot. Like on Trackman now, I'm like 120, uh, which used to be fast. Now that's kind of, yeah, it's okay. It's just above average. You got 25 Ridiculous. more pounds now. So exactly. yards per pound, you're at your most efficient. That didn't work for me. Back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Cole yeah, doesn't subscribe I was to much that more theory. Efficient. Yeah. Yards per exactly. pound didn't really work for me. <laughs> That's a shit stat. <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, going to college is an adjustment for everyone. No doubt about it. 
Okay. We're all used to our parents doing everything for us, taking care of us. But I want to know one thing when you go and you're out on your own, you got to start doing some laundry. How much laundry did you do freshman year? Zero. (laughs) Absolutely zero. I, I bought new socks and underwear and then I took everything to the dry cleaners. And then as my college time went on, I met uh, a really nice grandma that ran a fluff and fold in Stillwater. And, and it was like 25 cents per pound and she got it all. So we went from buying new stuff to dry cleaning to fluff and fold. I heard yeah, fluff like, and fold. like every week or two, you'd go out and buy new socks and underwear. Every time. A hundred percent. That's incredible. Every time. That's a hell of a way to yeah, do it. It's, it's, it's embarrassing, but it is a hundred percent fact. So I've got to own it. Yes, hey, I did. It worked out all right. Think about when you talk about getting excited to go to college, yeah. you got to realize you got to wash your nasty ass drawers every week. And yeah, I've been doing that <laughs> oh, for 18 years. Exactly. That's a different game. Right, I'm going to stay in college. Take you back. Right. You're at Stillwater. You and Boyd, AKA yeah. Choi. You walk into, I won't say a bar. I'll say a social gathering. And you both see the yeah. same girl. You both like her. Who's got the better chance? Oh, boy. No question. Are you <laughs> kidding? No. I mean, 100% boy. There's no doubt about it. That was We, we thought it would be a tie. Authority. Yeah, that yeah. was with authority. I thought it might just be a NA. Oh, yeah. Trust me. No, no, no. It, that is 100% Boyd. Could Boyd rap a little bit back in the day with the ladies? Uh, Boyd had... No, like Boyd had these dimples when he smiled and he liked those and the girls liked them. He had the blonde hair. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. Boyd, no doubt. It's obnoxious. All right. All right. Next one. This is kind of more a, a serious one for the E9. But you've played over 600 events. You've had three wins in your very, very consistent career. If it all ended today, would you be satisfied with your career? Uh, yes, I would be. Um, if I'd answered that five years ago, I'd say no. But now kind of looking back over the whole thing for 22 years and whatnot i would be um well everybody wishes they would have done say more a little bit better but i'd be satisfied if i quit tomorrow yes yeah if, if you're not then the the bar is high for the rest of the pj tour so, in terms yeah. of satisfaction all right we talking a lot about how good you are and your consistency and stuff i'm gonna take you back here to see if this rings a bell has your golf game ever been compared to a ford pinto oh yes it has been so one of my first weeks in Stillwater, um, Coach Holder was a little bit upset with my performance, looks right at me, and he says, I thought I recruited a Lamborghini and I got a Ford Pinto. <laughs> nice. Yes. Welcome. That is 100% fact. Welcome to Stillwater, Charles. Um, yes, I actually, I remember the day we were hitting balls on the other range, not our team range, but the other one. It was in early September in Stillwater, which is just a lovely time for weather, 98 degrees, uh, baking hot. And yes, that that line came straight out. Yes. That's a good one. From the yeah, the number one player in junior golf. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. a good one. Ford Pinto. I like that. Thanks, right. Coach. He, and he, he meant it. And yeah. he meant it. Yeah, exactly. All right. You've made over $41 million in your earnings on the golf course. Give me the craziest thing you've ever bought in your career. Oh, really early in my career, I was in the cars. Um, I bought uh, I, had, I bought two Ferraris at one point in time. Um, and I, I was into, so the magazine, the car magazine, DuPont Registry, yeah. uh, their founder and CEO was a good friend of mine. So we got into this spell for a while of buying cars. And I think over the course of like a four-year time, we bought and sold like 18 cars. So um, 
we'd buy them. I, I would either buy them or we'd buy them together and we'd put them for sale in the magazine, right? Right when we bought it. So, and we would drive it till it sold. And for a while there until, you know, 08 hit, it, it, it worked actually, you could do it. And uh, so he would find these cars from everywhere. These, that was really fun. We'd buy the fancy sport cars from these hedge fund traders in New York. Because they had all won a Ferrari, they park it in a garage. The weather's terrible; they never drive it, and then they get pissed off and want to sell it right away. And then so we'd be right there to we'll take it. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, we did that and for a while. But yeah, that those were the, some of the dumber things I did. I yeah, heard there was uh, smart. I'm, I was going to look into this. I heard there was a yellow Ferrari at one point. There was yeah, yellow Ferrari 360 Spider. Yes, yeah. Blair and I mean, some Tupac no driving around Howarth in a yellow Ferrari. I mean, yeah, exactly. Just it's under the radar. Yeah, it's like, what are you <laughs> under doing? the radar? Yeah. Is that Barn Rat? No, dude, that's Charles. That's Charles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Charles. Yeah, he's under the radar. It's yellow. Yeah, you'll never see it. Yeah, you could unload all of those things to Kiradak uh, if you still got any of them. He'll exactly. take them. He'll take them off your hands. All right, last one for me. Your son Chase, we've been talking about, hell of a junior golfer, up and coming. Would you rather you get a tattoo on his face or attend the University of Oklahoma? Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. 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 You, you've actually stumped me here. It's a tricky one. I mean, I I gotta say, attend OU, and I know I would just upset a ton of Oklahoma State people because Mike Tyson did okay with the face tat, right? Probably attend OU. I think the face tattoo, if it wouldn't put me in a grave, it would definitely put my <laughs> wife in a grave. So yeah, probably that. I also had a message <laughs> from Coach Holder. He said. Chase better be a damn good player, and he also better be a cowboy. That is correct, because even if Coach Holder, he would haunt me if, <laughs> if Chase doesn't go to Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I'll get to deal with Coach Holder in this life and the afterlife. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. The guy scares the shit out of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I actually got to play blackjack with him uh, a couple years ago. We played till about 4 in the morning at Aria, oh. and he likes to fire. We had a blast. Oh, he loves it. Yep. Absolutely. Blackjack and craps. He, no, no, he loves it. And obviously you remember Trip Keeney. Oh yeah. You get Coach Holder and Trip Keeney together, they will go. I like that. So I was texting with him and I totally forgot about this, but he sent me a picture of a hand and I didn't realize the hand was actually Coach, myself, and Jeff Quinney. And we all three got blackjack and the dealer flipped over a blackjack and Coach took a picture of it. I thought he was going to kill this dealer. I gave him the biggest death stare <laughs> ever. I'm sure you know what that look looks like. Insurance? I'm Insurance? familiar. Oh, that's great. All right, last I'm familiar. one. Give me one word that describes your Toyota Corolla with neon lights and chrome wheels that you drove to Stillwater, Oklahoma freshman year. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Magnet. Awesome. Magnet. Awesome. Magnet. Awesome. Yes. Now, now things are starting to pile up. Why Boyd had the better chance with girls than me. So, yeah, I was I spent a little too much time at a driving range. So, yeah. So now, now you're putting the, the neon lights down. Pretty you can't sick, get chicks though. with a neon lighted Corolla. Then that's a problem because that thing that should close I, the deal most of the I time. I agree with you, especially in Stillwater. And, yeah. and tell her, listen, I'm a I'm a golfer. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, Charles, man, this yes. has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for joining us, my man. Well, listen, thank you so much. Like I said, I'm a big fan of you guys, Colt. I've known you forever, and uh, best of luck with it. I enjoyed it. But, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time to have me on. Dude, Appreciate fantastic. You, my man. Great thank you. All right. Well, that was Charles Howe third joining us on Golf Subpar. Like we said, what a career it's been. What a journey. I mean, the guy's been just an absolute staple on the PGA Tour. I mean, how good is it? You know, you, you get to pretty much 
sit side by side with GOAT, Tiger Woods, every day, learn from him, practice with him, pick his brain, see how he goes about it. Really, really cool story from CH3. Yeah, and he got to go against him in the USAM when he was just a little kid. Uh, you know, he's seen that thing happen from from square one, and then he developed a relationship with T-Dub that he did. Also, growing up at Augusta, you know, getting to go back and play Augusta National. How about sneaking on as like a little kid? That yeah. takes some sack, dude. When we're down there, I'm scared to cough when I'm on property. I'm like, oh, I don't want to <laughs> get kicked out. Is my shirt tucked in? Is everything all right? Don't walk too fast. You're going to get ass. Dude's sneaking over fences and playing amen corner as like a little the 10-year-old. I feel like that's like some sort of federal sentencing if you get sniped up in that little little escapade. Well, I really, really enjoyed our time with him. I mean, the man is a, just a workaholic. His time's at Oklahoma State, driving in there in his, in his fancy car, um, no, not knowing how to do laundry. Uh, it, it's just such a cool story. And he's, he's just an ATM machine. He prints it out there on the PGA Tour. And how about him and Boyd, their uh, work with the co-eds up there in Stillwater? Suffice it to mm. say, the ladies were safe. When, uh, what were they call themselves? Choid? Was it Choid? Charles and Boyd hanging out? They, they yeah. had a, they spent a lot of time at the golf course and it shows out, uh, you know, it ended up working out for him. The dude's done just fine. Probably not uh, regretting missing too many of those parties, but that's the reason why dudes like that go on and succeed and we're slappies and we ended up talking about them. No doubt about it. And don't worry, I did not forget about your incredible performance at the USGA four ball. We're going to bring it to you all next week. We're going to have an exclusive interview with you and your partner, Drew Kittleson, who finished runner-up at the USGA <sighs> four ball. Almost made it four titles for team subpar, but it's now time to get to the FanDuel picks, please. We're going to break that down in depth. That one's still still stinging, and uh, I just talked to Cat last night. was asking him about it. He's going to come on and do that. That'll be a really fun one. And we also realized that we left our uh, silver medals at, Birmingham, at the Country Club of Birmingham. So oh, if there's good. anyone in Birmingham right now, there was a lot of listeners out there. A, shout out to all the people that were at the club, and B, all the messages we got. But if there's anyone at Birmingham, uh, Country Club of Birmingham, then you find two silver medals in boxes that may have been left after a little night of uh, drinking our sorrows away. Uh, please contact us as we would uh, like to retrieve those. And I'm too embarrassed to text the USGA and ask for a replacement. So that's our little public service announcement there if you find those bad boys. But now, Colt, as you said, it's time to make a little cash, okay? Step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the PGA Tour on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new, new customers can place their first PGA Tour bet risk-free. And if you don't win, you'll get up to $1,000 back. Hello, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel... There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a range of betting options like outright winners, head-to-head matchups, nationality props, and so much more. And when you win, you'll get paid fast. How fast, BG? Uh, right away, pretty much within two hours. No big Pretty deal. much just right away. Just hits the account. Don't even work, worry about it. We got a couple bets coming to you right now. So go low this summer and bet on the PGA Tour. Colt. Fired off Colonial. By the way, I'm going to be in the building caddying for Wyndham Clark again, carrying his ass around the place, which is not an easy job. Somehow I did it last year, got him to play some good golf. I don't know if I can do it back to back. He's a freaking load, but he will have the baby bag out there. You're going to be down there. We will be reunited. If, Give me some bets. If if you don't take him as a dark horse, that's just like <laughs> hating on your own ability. I mean, uh, you've got to take him. By the way, that's a perfect time because we're going to get it. We're going to start a new thing here on the podcast where we do a best bets, our favorite bets of the week. Colt's going to have one. I'm going to have one. You can ride with Colt. You can ride with me. We're going to keep track. We're going to tally it up. It's going to be a fake $100 bet on every bet. And at the end of the time, it's going to run through the open championship. Open championship. Whoever wins, there's going to be a prize. We're going to have a little wager on that. So that look out on our social media. Those will be coming to you this week. I feel like 
I'm a little handcuffed this week. I gotta pick my guy Dub, but I'm gonna I'm gonna feel things to. out tomorrow in the practice round. See how he's swinging it. And my best bet might be Dub to miss the cut. You know what I mean? And I could play a role in that. Wow. One eighty. That, that I'd hit the I'd hit incredible. the four iron hit the four iron hard. One eighty. No, I'm not going to, dude. I got. I'm gonna have my horse ready to run. But anyways, that'll be coming to you. Check out our social. BG, give me what you like this week. Favorite dark horse. All right, you ready for this? Course. This is going to be very, very interesting. So I didn't know where to go this week. There's a lot of guys I really, really like, but I had a little conversation with the PGA champion, Justin Thomas, this morning. Mm. We were discussing, you know, everything that happened. Is he worn out? I was like, "You gonna? are you going to tee it up this week? Like, I don't think anybody would have blamed him if he withdrew from Colonial and took the week off after winning such a big tournament. I take a month off. I text, I text him said, you're going to give it a go in Fort Worth. He goes, you get damn right I am. I'm ready to win another one. The man is on a mission. Mm. He's all about winning trophies. He's one of the favorites. I'm going JT. Let's go back to back, bud. He loves this golf course. Is that your dark horse? Yeah, that's my dark horse. <laughs> I think, what's he going at? He's going at like 8 to 1 or something, isn't he? It's crazy. He's 12 to 1 on fan. 12 to 1. All right, there's a little more juice there. All right, 12 to 1. You're going with the reigning PGA champion coming off a pretty decent week. You're right, though. Picking up at the top, man. This thing's got some beasts at the top. There's some there's yeah. some dudes. There's some dudes up here um, going to Fort Worth this week. I'm going to go just down just a little bit. I'm going to 19 to 1 and a man named Colin Morikawa. All right, 55th at the PGA. Don't really care about that. Probably the best iron player on the planet week in, week out. I put Justin Thomas in that as well. But those two guys are, are pretty spectacular. Straight driver. Greens at Colonial. Not the hardest to putt in the world. So if there is a little... You know, bugaboo in his game, maybe the putter. Colonial is about the most friendly place you can go on the PGA Tour to hold some putts. So I'm going All Colin right. Morikawa, 19 to 1. Who the hell are you talking to right now? I got two special guests here right now at Tulsa Country Club. We're not even, by the way. First off, I got to let you know real quick that Joe Griner, caddy for Max Home and I. No, get your asses over here. Yeah, let me see left, Joe. I want to hear this part. Joe Griner and I, caddy for Max Homa, just took down Max Homa and Sam Burns in a putting match. Oh, wow. Well, I'm shorting both of those. They obviously are shit, so Sam Burns and Max won't be on my betting card. <laughs> they literally just left when we when I started talking about it. I was going to get them on to have a little special guest appearance and show that neither of us were picking them, but yeah. you know what? Little camera shy. Little camera shy. I'm going to get a little... Well, I think we're having a little practice round with Max and Joey tomorrow, so I'll make sure that gets uh, addressed. All right. Well, I like it. I like Colin to bounce back. It's been a little bit of a down year for him, but listen, he can find it at any point. Lost in the playoff here. The man loves the golf course. Should be perfect for him. Dark horse. We've talked about this guy a lot, Stelise. Oh, going off at forty-eight to one. Oh, here we go. Striking machine. Are we going to be on the same? We're going to line up right here, bro. Oh, Davis Riley. Let's go. There you go, son. Great pick. Great fit. Great pick. Hasn't finished outside the top thirteen in his last three starts. Ball striker. Speaking of Max Homa, I feel like he's a little Max Homa Jr. He reminds me of Max so much out there. The golf swing, their physique, everything about him. This dude's poised for some, yeah, very hairy. A lot of body hair, similar to a gorilla, the sun's mascot. Uh, the dude's coming, and it's starting to click. I got I, That was the exact guy I had picked, too. 48 to 1. That's some pretty nice juice on the on the fella, too. So uh, Almost almost hosted right. a trophy at Valspar, too. So he's right there. I like it. He, took, he lost to Sam Burns, who got real camera shy. Here in a second. Here's some, stars, a little bit ago, but whatever. Hey, you think JT's scared of the camera? He wants that thing. That's a little lesson. You can't be afraid of the lights, Sammy. You know what I mean? All right. Well, All get right, him we'll up to that handle, later. my man. Yes, Colin Morikawa. You got Justin Thomas as the favorites, and Davis Riley were lined up. That may be the first time we've been lined up in a long time. So shout out Davis Riley. 
Go low this summer, bet on the PGA Tour. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code SUBPAR to get your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Remember to use my promo code SUBPAR to get this special offer today. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Here we go with this disclaimer. You ready, dog? I can't wait. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do it fast, too. All right, here we go. You got to be Colt, as you know. 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Nope. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42. In Arizona, call 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado, 1-888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER. Or visit fanduel.com slash RG. In New Jersey, Iowa and Illinois, one 877 hope or text HOPE-NY in New York or 1-800-522-4700 in the state of Wyoming. That's all you got to do, dude. That's all you got to do. And That's then it. you get paid. That's all you got to do. And then By the way, you get paid. Please, I played with the governor of Oklahoma today at Taylor Gooch's event. We're hoping to add Oklahoma to that list here pretty soon. So we'll have some more numbers to read off. Get that thing opened up. The people in Tulsa deserve to fire. By the way, the best thing that ever happened to me, I was in Alabama for the four ball. The Suns were playing game seven. I was ready to bet my entire house, my entire life on the Suns. Open up the app. Not available in Alabama. Saved me my life, actually. After that, they almost won that game, too. Incredible, incredible. Almost won. Get ready because next week we are going to be breaking down the USGA four ball. I'm going to be doing the interview. You're actually going to be a guest on subpar. That's a dream. Drew dream come true. I cannot baby. wait. This is going to be great. I can't wait to talk more about you on next week's Golf Sub Bar. Have a great week, everyone.